0: We're offering 15% off a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair. Visit VanityFair.com today and use promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15 for 15% off a yearly digital subscription to everything you want. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay
1: in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Why are you following me?
1: The stuff you wear is inappropriate for what you're planning on doing. You don't know anything about me.
0: ready. You're not. And none of the stuff that you're thinking means anything anyway. Never kissed anyone before. Hello and welcome to Still Watching. I'm Vanity Fair CD writer Joanna Robinson. And I'm Vanity
1: Fair chief critic Richard Lawson.
0: What we do on this podcast that we host uh, is every week, Richard and I break down the latest episode of some show that we are currently watching or obsessing obsessing over. Uh, perhaps right now we are watching HBO's We Are Who We Are. Uh, we are on episode five. So this episode, we'll uh, we will cover all of episode five and nothing beyond that because we have not watched beyond that. So that's as far as we're going. Um, just a little bit of business is that there will be an extra still watching in your feed this week. On Tuesday, there's sort of a special one-off uh, bonus episode. Anthony Bresnikan joined me to talk about um, The Haunting of Bly Manor, the Netflix uh, series. So we talked about all of it at once uh, in one podcast. There's like a spoiler-free section at the beginning if you're, if you're like – do I think I want to watch it? I don't know. Let me hear what uh, Anthony and Joanna have to say. So there's a spoiler-free section there. And then we get into sort of our our large review. So uh, don't be alarmed or surprised if you see or spooked if you see um, a Haunting of fly Manor episode. And then Richard and I will be back uh, next Monday with episode six of We Are Who We Are. Um, and then if you want to hear Richard's thoughts on the haunting of Bly Manor, you can, he, we talked about it on little gold men as well. So, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of, uh, a lot of ghost talk this week and you can read my us. review and you can cf.com. read his review and you can read my article uh, on it about, I read a bunch of Henry James stories and talked about them. So, you know, all kinds of wall to wall Bly, but we are not here to talk about ghosts. We're here to talk about American teens in Italy. Um, We've got a couple emails. We've got some great emails. So thank you guys so much. We're at stillwatchingpod at gmail.com. You can email us there. The emails have been fantastic this season. And um, I was just telling Richard off air, like I was, I'm, uh, I'm surprised and dazzled because I wasn't sure how much engagement there would be around the show. So thank you guys for watching it and discussing it with us. Yeah, Um, it's
1: really nice to know that there are other people (laughs) on the other end of this conversation. Yeah, exactly. uh, Listening. Thank you guys.
0: Uh, Chris sent us a, a listener named Chris sent us a couple emails. But one of the emails he sent uh, pointed out that the series finale is on November 2nd, the day before Election Day. Ugh. I don't think that's a coincidence. As Sarah Paulson famously once said, hmm, <laughs> let me know what you think. So, uh, I do think it's a coincidence, actually, but what do you think, Richard?
1: Do people know what that Sarah Paulson reference is?
0: I don't. What is it?
1: I think, I think it's because, a um, uh, a, a good friend's podcast called Who Weekly. Yeah. Um, covered this. Uh, so I listened to that. So someone posted a, either like a, a grid of like Sarah Paulson roles and said, like, you know, she has the range or whatever. And Kristen Chenoweth responded to that account saying, hmm, I think it was Evan Ross Katz posted it and then sarah paulson replied to that hmm and so it was just, <laughs> sort of created this like celebrity drama about like well sarah paulson played a version of chenowith on studio 60 in the sunset trip <gasps> uh because chenowith dated aaron sorkin and is oh, sort of hmm. yeah anyway so that's what the whom <laughs> is about Don't, didn't mean to derail into celebrity no, no no, i
0: appreciate it i was like this is probably from a season of american horror story that i didn't watch but that's much better a much better answer so thank you uh yeah so uh, election day eve coincidence mm. or not what do you think richard
1: i i wish that i i mean it's 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 great timing but i think the way that labor day was late this year and it was an eight you know it's an eight episode series and they just that that, that was eight weeks yeah <laughs> that's what i think
0: that's uh, so what i think too um this there was a lot of Background election chatter in this episode, episode five, uh, that really stressed me out. So, um, it's definitely on my mind as we, as we watch this series. Um, okay. Veronica wrote in, um, uh, she had a different interpretation of a moment from the party episode last week. So this is from Veronica who says, I thought the moment from the most recent episode when Fraser tells Harper he kissed the girl at the party and they say, don't do that again, might've had a different meaning for the audience. There is ambiguity around Fraser's sexuality other than an apparent crush on Jonathan. But maybe Harper knows something we don't. Maybe Fraser explicitly told Harper that he's gay or that they are inferring that he is. And therefore, their response was expressing disappointment that he kissed someone he did not really want to kiss just because he felt pressured to do so. Or even regardless of his sexual identity, Fraser was obviously not into the girl's advances throughout the night, yet he eventually conformed and kissed her back. Harper's response might have might have a hint of possessiveness but i think they were also annoyed by fraser betraying what seems like an understanding between the two that they will be true to themselves regardless of anyone's opinions of them love the podcast thank you uh what do you think of veronica's uh assessment of yeah
1: no i think that makes sense and i think is a it's a richer read of of that moment yeah. from from last episode and also mm-hmm. one that i would say in the really i think wonderfully articulated scenes in this episode where you really see their friendship In its really intimate um, kind of uh, the way that it works when it's just them behind closed doors, I think it makes a lot more sense that she would have a kind of disappointment with him violating some sort of friend contract Mm -hmm. uh, rather than her feeling jealous at that party.
0: I think you're right. All right, I'm really excited well, about this. Well, I think this. the emailer is right. And I, I think the agree. emailer is yeah. right, and I think you're right to concur. Yeah. I concur with both of you. Um, all right, I'm really excited about this email because it comes all the way from Italia. Uh, I apologize to all of Italy for that um, accent. All right, so this comes from Giovanni. and um, Giovanni says, uh, Luca Guadagnino might have, uh, and then parentheses, not, answer the question on how to call Caitlin slash Harper. Um... In the Italian Vanity Fair, saying that the show is explicitly uninterested in labels, hence the name, embracing confusion and trying to move past our need to define our own identities through conventions rooted in schematic conservative ideas on gender. That language shouldn't be the main power structure shaping who we are. She's Caitlyn until he's Harper, or she, they are both Caitlyn and Harper. We don't really know. Choosing to call her Harper before she asks us to is not what the show wants to do. The politics and ideas driving the show are probably more nuanced than that. This is first and foremost, and this is interesting because... This is like a uh, this is me, Joanna talking. This is sort of like a a rookie mistake. We talk we do sometimes when we talk about television. Um we increasingly, I think we talk about television as almost like on tour um type of thing, and especially when there's like a, a a film director who we identify at the helm of it. Um, so I think we've been talking about this purely, you mentioned his collaborators in the, in the first episode, um, by name, but, uh, we've been talking about this a lot as a, as a Luca Guadagnino property. So here's some extra information from Giovanni. Uh, he says, um, this is first and foremost, Francesca Manieri's show. She's a screenwriter with a background in philosophy and queer slash feminist activism. In the past, she has closely followed the work of queer theorist and trans man Paul B. Preciado, whose work she has analyzed in essays and adapted for theater. I'm too ignorant to know what that means in terms of her own ideas on the topic and how they'll mix with her lived experience of queer coming of age, but she definitely brings to the project something more than fast fashion Opinions. Guadagnino and Manieri came to the show driven by very different urges. Luca looking to further explore the coming of age genre with a uh, news and more by. Pielat as his main source of inspiration. Francesca from a researched intellectual and personal point of view on gender and queer identities. I won't be surprised if the resulting work will end up being closer to a companion piece to Celine Sciamma's own exploration on gender and sexuality rather than something that can fit the more rigid schemes through which gender is currently being talked about on American media. Giovanni. And then Giovanni said something really nice after that, a nice PS, just so um, maybe we didn't think that, uh, they were scolding us in any way, which I didn't feel that they were. Um, I thought this was incredibly interesting. I would love, um, to dust off my very rusty, uh, college Italian and try to read this Luca piece that was in the Italian Vanity Fair. Um, but, but this is really illuminating to me in terms of the dual approaches, um, that are at play here, um, yeah. on the show. What do you think, Richard?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know that, and I guess I could have done some homework. Um, I, I think that I think the tricky thing is, and not to defend ourselves, but like it, it's hard with 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 writing on t- in TV shows and movies. It's really hard to know who contributed what because they're Absolutely. it's not broke it's not broken yeah. down for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and because Guadagnino has a writing credit on each one, and he directed every episode, and it's sometimes billed as Luca Guadagnino's "We Are Who We Are." I think we were kind of using Guadagnino maybe as a shorthand, totally. um, yeah, for for the creators of the show. But I think, yeah, yeah we, I mean, I guess we could, we could be more cognizant of like the fact that there are two other re- writers, um, Manieri and um, Giordano, on every single one of these episodes.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I don't think um, I think Giovanni's just not not telling us we did wrong, but just sort of this is added info, probably from that Vanity Fair um, article. Uh, very fair. <laughs> what kind of reputable uh, magazine is that? Um, and uh, and that's fascinating to me. This idea yeah. that there is, mm-hmm. uh, like, because I was curious. Um, has, I don't know how interested uh, Guadagnino has been in something that feels so. Um, Boundary-less, you know what I mean? Like, Call Me By Your Name is obviously um, remarkable, you know, for being a fairly mainstream, you know, gay love story. Like, that is, that was groundbreaking in its own way. But I don't, from the films of his that I've seen, I don't think of him as, like, quite into gender or sexual theory the way that I do think is kind of evident um, in this show. So, um I think, it's, I think it's really cool. And, and I would be interested to know what the third um, artistic voice brings to the table as well, Yeah, other than yeah. a great Instagram feed, as you mentioned earlier, Richard. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so thank you so much to Giovanni. I welcome any and all emails from Italy and elsewhere. And then this last email comes from Joel. And Joel writes in to say... Um, Thanks for covering the show. I really enjoy your podcast, listening to your great perspectives, adds to my viewing experience. I wanted to comment on the music and specifically the piece being played during the end of the paintball scene when paintball is over but stuff starts flying. The music is by composer John Adams, and it's called Short Ride in a Fast Machine. On the podcast, you alluded to entering the military machine, and this really made me think about the choice of music for the scene, and that it was very intentional. It really gave me an energy to the scene that made me really pay attention to the chaotic revelry that was going on. It set the tone of the episode for me. Um, and then Joel went on to say that he agreed with me that he was like watching the party scene with like, uh, euphoria lenses, really scared that someone was going to get hurt. and glad that no one did. All right. So, um, and thanks for our coverage. So yeah, I mean, what's interesting, we talked about this with some of the other song choices in last week's episode that felt like a little on the nose. It was like soldier of love and like, you know, lay down your arms and all the stuff that felt like a little on the nose. And I wasn't sure if I was like, not in a bad way, just sort of like, I feel like usually, when it comes to music design um in film and television uh, f- filmmakers and and t v creators as as artistically rich as this don't usually pick like the most obvious song, but that being said, watching this week's episode, uh correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the song that like Jonathan starts air guitaring to the lyrics are let's spend the night together right this rolling stones
1: i think so yeah I'm you're, pretty you're sure better at the music stuff than i am but yeah
0: i'm pretty sure that's what happened i was like okay i guess we are just doing like on i guess we're just doing text no subtext just text so uh maybe we can keep our ears open for other like very textual music cues um in the show going forward yeah and i
1: and i like i mean i it's funny actually short ride on the fast Mach- on the fast machine was a was a crossword clue in a crossword I did the other day like an you know, old <laughs> New York, so that's really weird <laughs> convergence of things but um but you know it the machine that like, you know we, we had talked about like the machine of the military and all that stuff but it's also the body and it's you yeah. know t- w- what is adolescence but a, a short ride on a, on a fast machine you know um and I think that um it's 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 not at all an accident that this episode Begins in a whole different season. You know, like, yeah, like that party episode was not just the end for one boy going off to be deployed, but something in this whole show has shifted. Um, and so maybe we're on a new short ride on a different fast machine, or I don't know what, (laughs) but, but we're definitely something, uh, an end point of some sort was reached last week, and now we're starting, I think, a new thing in some ways.
0: Yeah, cuz I, I mean that felt like a summer episode, right? Yeah. Um oh, yeah. late summer, is,
1: kind of like that last hurrah thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and this is a very blustery fall. Um I loved the use of weather in this episode. I thought it was great. Um it's funny because we when we started talking about the show, we were like, this isn't a show that you can predict things for, but I can't remember if I said it on the podcast. I I, I can't imagine I didn't because where else would I be talking about the show that I was like, I don't think uh, that hair on harper's head is gonna stay very long. I, I think you said
1: that on the podcast yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, you, you and so mad. i was like yeah
0: and then when i saw when i saw Harper like watching someone else get their hair cut in this episode i was like oh it's coming the clippers are coming so um thanks to the wind i think is the wind is what tipped us over you know yeah, what would have like-
1: been really fun if he <laughs> if they played um the madonna power of goodbye from felicity while she was getting her <laughs> hair cut
0: is that what plays during Felicity's famous haircut?
1: No, but like that was like the Felicity song, as I think, like like during all the ads on the WB. So I just <laughs> associate amazing. that song with Felicity.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Um... Hi, I'm Michael Calori, the co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab,
0: and I'm Lauren Good, the other co-host of Wired's Gadget Lab. Get ready to dive deep into the cultural phenomenon that's been shaping conversations, sparking movements, and breaking barriers for over a decade.
1: The new three-part docuseries, Black Twitter, A People's History, based on the groundbreaking Wired cover story by Jason Parham, explores everything from the fun, games, and inside jokes that characterized the early years of Black Twitter, to the social movements, the voices, and the hashtags that made Black Twitter an influential force in nearly every aspect of American political culture. Join us as we unravel the threads of this digital community, tracing its origins, celebrating its triumphs, and exploring its impact on society at large.
0: Watch the series from Onyx Collective in association with Wired Studios, premiering on Hulu on May 9th.
1: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium, Apple Card, or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
0: So where do you want to start? Do you want to start with a haircut? Do you want to start at the
1: beginning of the episode? Where do you want to be? I don't in? know. I mean, again, let's let's talk about the haircut and what that represents for for Kate slash Harper. Um, you know, <clears throat> this episode was so plot heavy yeah. in a way that was kind of... not that I mind the other episodes that are a little bit more, you know, nonlinear and just sort of dreamlike and whatever, but it was, it was nice that this show can also do like every scene, something significant happens, you know? Um, and I think in some ways the most significant stuff happens, uh, to Kate, um, because we really see in several different ways, her continued or their continued, um, uh exploration of their gender identity um and whether or not the, the cutting her you know huge mane of hair uh that might signify just like i want to have a different style but obviously it signifies more in terms of going on this date um but yeah i think that you were right to to see that that was like a clear like i don't know semiotic hint that that there there was a big change coming and then that this was the episode where we got it
0: it's interesting too because, you know, Fraser in so many ways is like miles ahead of, of, uh, I'm just going to call them like by every other pronoun and name just to keep it fun. Um, miles ahead of Harper in terms of like, um, certain things that he knows about trans identity and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was surprised when he was like, you are your hair. It's what everyone loves yeah. about you. I was like, what a like, what an incredibly, I think insensitive, you know, and I know that we know that Fraser can be incredibly insensitive, but like on this subject, he's been so good that I was really surprised by that, you know?
1: But I also think like it, it felt real. I mean, that, I loved that, those, that, that bedroom scene. And then when, when they're like kind of shrieking and laughing and yeah. when they're cutting uh, Harper's hair, cause it's just like such a huge deal they're kids they are still kids and and i think the obsession with the band that that fraser's watching on this phone and it's like these these are these kids are like i mean certainly more aware of the world and its variants than i was at that age but like there's still there is a naivete there and so much of what they're doing is the first time they've done it the first time they've talked about anything like this out loud, the yeah. first time they've seen this band, the first time they've heard this song. And um and I think with that is gonna come uh you know, something is gonna some uh, broader understanding of what gender identity um might mean doesn't always catch up with the immediate reactive oh, but like your hair is your hair, you know, like and i think that i think it's really great that that scene balanced those two things if these two if these kids were a little bit too precocious and knowing and said all the right things every True. single time it yeah. would be it would be a little moralizing it would be a little bit starchy you know um but in this case we get to see them kind of like leap forward while also like dropping some things as they go you know
0: i need to look this up um, uh, you know, I'm sorry I didn't I didn't have a chance to to see if this information is out there already, but that scene was so like joyous and energetic that I almost wonder if um that was the actor's real hair getting cut. It kind of felt like it, didn't it? It felt like it. Yeah. 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 Um, I love the framing of Fraser standing behind her with his arm around her like and her holding on and him just wielding the clippers. Like it was just so like just so sw- it was such an act of like love and support and like and and youthful joy and just like holy shit we're doing it you know what i mean yeah. uh and follow- the Fraser laugh yeah, was just so yeah. funny
1: cuz it was just like <laughs> that liminal teen boy like <clears throat> yeah. if i raise my voice too much my voice is going to crack and you know it's just like a funny funny sound
0: um i I have a follow-up question for you, yeah. they then hide almost all of the hair, not all of it,
1: yeah, um, poorly, poorly,
0: <laughs> yeah, so first of all, very poorly, take it, take it all the way out of the house. Secondly, yeah. why are there three trash cans <laughs> in their kitchen? Why Why did Richard have three places he could check? I mean, I suppose one of them could be recycling. But I was like, he checked under the sink, and then over by the water cooler, and mm. then next to the one by the water cooler. And I was like, Richard, how many trash cans do you have? How, how many does one man need? Yeah, that's house? a lot. That's a lot. <laughs>
1: also, like, that toilet was filthy.
0: Oh, And yeah. it's just
1: like, clean your house. or
0: Well, <laughs> like... okay, let's get to my favorite part of this episode, which is that uh, twist I did not see coming. So kind of like hoped for it in my heart of hearts, I guess, that like, I don't usually root necessarily for extramarital affairs, but like when jenny and uh maggie are hooking up Mm -hmm. i was i wrote it in all caps with like excitement in my notes i thought it was great (laughs) because i'm like oh the two characters who i think are really nice who get like shit on by their spouses are having joyful sex together that's great i'm i'm here for it what was your reaction to that
1: well i mean not to question your detective skills joanna but like one of these episodes ended with them sticking their fingers into a pie together. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? I didn't
0: think. Yeah. I honestly thought it would take Jenny at least longer to yeah. get there. So, but I
1: yeah. and I like and I, I know what you mean, and I think that the way that sometimes when characters, uh, who especially ones from cultures not of the people who created the thing that that character is in. I think there's a lot of like, well, but she's from Nigeria and she might be a little repressed and here would be all this. And it's a homophobic country and well, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I like that. It didn't bother with that. It was just like, maybe some of that hemming and hawing happened. And there is a slight conversation about, um, you know, Nigeria in, in this episode. But like, I, I really like as the show continues to do, we meet this relationship while it's already happening, you know, like, yeah. And, um, and I think that what that does is really afford Jenny her uh, more of a, uh, she's less of a plot device and just a person within the story, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that like, you know, and from a sort of cynical, like TV movie perspective, I'm like, oh, okay. So like Alice Baraga, like read some scripts and was like, this is coming for my character later. Yeah. <laughs> and like, cause like, I was like, she's kind of famous. Like this, you know, <laughs> as a 70, like it's interesting that they're doing this show. Um, and then here it is you know and to what end I don't know I don't really I don't know if I see disaster coming but um, it was nice to see them just so relaxed with one another yeah um, and maybe that's just the you know the, the first swoony blushes of like an early fling or whatever um, or maybe it's something more significant I just don't know
0: I mean, it's funny, you know, because in, in the beginning of the episode, when both of them basically turned down their spouses on something like, "Oh, I can't. I have to go do this thing," I was, I was like, "Oh, they're definitely doing this thing together," because they only want to hang out with each other. And I was like, right. you know, like friends do. <laughs> and sure. then I was yeah. like, so "No, sweet
1: naive, Joanna. no,
0: Joanna." Um. Anyway, so yeah, I'm I'm here for it. They're like, and it wasn't. Ju- it's not just. You know, it's not just lust, right? There's like they they have the scene in the grocery store together. They have the scene in the commissary together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's 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 a real relationship that's building there, and and I like that for them. So I mean, there's 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 a lot of complications that come with it, but I still like it for them. And like yeah. not all, like you mentioned that they discuss Nigeria. Jenny also says in that discussion of I think it was like her aunt. She yeah. says something like she was that way. So not like a thousand percent comfortable with homosexuality. I think if you're going to say that way, you know what I mean about someone. So,
1: well, no, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, they're not, they're not marching in pride parades yet, but, um,
0: not yet. Give me time. But, you know,
1: and I think that from the casual, sexy kind of joy of their scenes together, that then leads to that really scary confrontation of sorts with Richard in their garage that, was saying so much about their relationship and about Jenny's place in that, um, that I was, I, I, I didn't quite, I get, I, that's what I didn't see. I didn't see the show kind of taking that dark of a turn, especially when, when it pertained to Richard. Um, Maybe I should have with all the maga stuff, but um, it was just, I, I think that like in the kind of last week's summary explosion and this week's, Sort of more fall, cold, windy thing. The 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 lovely scenes between Maggie and Jenny uh, were sort of, I think, thematically offset by by actually both of those scenes of the two at home with their spouses, but but that one in particular.
0: Yeah, and I mean, as, as part of that, um, you know, I don't I don't want to not talk about that. I just want to like uh, put this part in the <clears throat> middle of it, which is, I mean, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention. But, I feel like I was paying attention, so I feel like we all as an audience learned for the first time in this episode that Danny is not Richard's biological son. um yeah, yeah, right I did, or or I missed I, something no, no, I
1: because it it's mentioned kind of offhand early in this episode, yeah, and then plainly stated later, and I kept rewinding being like, what are they saying and and i I really had not put that together, yeah, but of course, that speaks you know that you it know. makes a lot of things yeah. make sense, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, his alienation from this family, like feeling like he's the like leftover from another family, so like that, the way that Richard treats him. We were really curious why Richard like was treating his daughter as like his only child when he had a son right there. And there's still there's no excuse for it. It's not it's not correct what Richard's doing, but like I understand in the framework of that character you know, that makes sense psychologically for me. Um, well, the basketball
1: yeah. thing makes more sense from yeah. a, an earlier episode and even the thing where he gets all up in Frasier's face about him breaking up the friend group because here is someone who really like is struggling to f- feel like he has like a, a a little unit, like a, you know, a tightly, yeah. a tightly bound thing with other people and then a, a, someone came in and kind of, you know, threatened to destroy it.
0: And his bad relationship with Harper, you know what I mean? Like if Harper yeah. gets all of... Richard's attention, um, you know, like, it, yeah, it, a lot of things snapped into place around that for me. And also his fascination with Islam, if he, um, you know, uh, believes that his father, you know, that this is part of his culture and his heritage, and he, you know, wants to separate himself from his MAGA father, <laughs> uh, MAGA stepdad, and, and explore that, you know, that to me also makes, um, more sense. So I thought that was an. You're right. This there's so much going on in this episode. It's a
1: really, so. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, very, very big episode.
0: But we don't. I mean, we don't exactly know the full scope of what Danny's alluding to when he says to Jenny, like, how much are you willing to look the other way on in regards to Richard? Mm-hmm. So whenever someone says that, I'm like, what? Uh, what else? What else is coming? Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Um, and um. Okay, <laughs> so all right, so I, I, I got excited about the Jenny and Maggie thing, and I also got excited about the movie date, but you already, like, warned me that I probably shouldn't get excited because of um, age differences and calling by your name and discussions we've had and stuff like yeah. that.
1: It's so tough, though, because it this was... really cute. <laughs> it was staged so well, and it was yeah. acted so well. Yeah. And, like, I was watching it with uh, my boyfriend, and and he's been kind of, like poking in you know peering in and, and out on episodes as we've wa- you know I watched it for this f- uh podcast yeah and he was like trying to go about his day and he had the zoom call for work or something and he just like stopped and like watched that whole thing while standing up holding something <laughs> he had to, like it was just like it was like there there you could tell there was something happening you know um and uh, I don't really know how we're supposed to feel about that but um in its little vacuum of the pretend you know not the real world um I thought it was pretty sweet
0: yeah, um, I like the yeah. It's just like the little smiles on their faces, and just like the whole walk and talk that they did. I thought that was really good. Um, I think Tom Tom Mercier, I want to say, I, I yeah. Frenchified his yeah. name. Um, is is really good. I think. Um, not, not, I hope not just because he's incredibly attractive. I hope I also just think he's like a really, really just has a lot going on, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. uh, you know, as does, um, Jack Dylan Grazier as, as, as Frazier, I think he also has a lot going on. So like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I really liked it. Mercier,
1: I believe is the lead in a, in a well-regarded, uh, I think Israeli film from last year called Synonyms. So if people, um, want and see more of him they can certainly um those long arms like his <laughs> wrists are like at his knees it's crazy um
0: it also makes more sense that he's in the army now because he has an american dad so he has a u.s passport so yeah, that's why right yeah that, he's an Israeli in the america clarified army. some stuff yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah a lot of clarifications in this episode yeah. um Yeah, and I think that, you know, the walk and talk after the movie, the cute thing where they start walking backwards, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I saw shades of Before Sunrise in there, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of oeuvre of just rambling, dialogue-y, relationship-y stuff. Um, And, you know, we don't really know, I, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, qualify bad things, but, like, we don't quite know the age difference, um it's entirely possible that this guy is 8 19 years old and Fraser's what 15 which like is still you know iffy especially the authority thing but um yeah I don't know I don't know I don't want to get into speculation about that but like um I I think that that scene in the library earlier uh where um you know another book is exchanged um and then he kind of pats Fraser on the behind and Fraser's like reeling from that um That was when I was like, for the first time in this whole season, I was like, oh, something's definitely going to happen. Like, this is not an accident. Um, And then it was confirmed just a few minutes later.
0: And just like, yeah, sharing books. Um, You know, and I like how Fraser's like, I don't understand why he likes this book, question mark. Um we did get an email about Jonathan. Okay, so like I uh, I'm an, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch the scene, so that's why I didn't read the email. But one of our listeners suggested that we watch the scene again where Sarah comes into the office and Jonathan is there watching the Clinton debate mm-hmm. because they said they thought there was something else going on with like a girl in that scene or something like that. I, I just need to rewatch it. Um, but but that listener was was concerned that perhaps the percol. I, I understand looking for danger around every corner in prestige television. Um, you know, there's the background percolating. Uh, a, a lot of sexual assault on this military base yes, sort of yeah. thing. So, um our listener was just flagging that sequence. I need to rewatch it to see what I think of it. But like it would break my heart uh if Jonathan who's a character I have tremendous affection for already. Um but it wouldn't be the first time TV has done that to me. So,
1: um I also think that
0: like yeah. if I can
1: just yeah. opine for a second like without going into too much like gay dialogue like Myself and, and gay friends have a very different take on like call me by your name than I think some straight people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, the reason for that is that when you are uh, gay or queer, whether or not you ha- you have a crush on someone older or not, it's really hard to have peers depending on where you are. And so that's why, like, a lot of teenagers kind of maybe they meet a college student or, right. you know, someone older in their town or whatever. And, like, yes, sometimes that does become a sexual relationship. And that can be very compromised. I'm not, like, advocating for that. I'm just saying that, like, that is why it happens is because, like, otherwise you might not have anyone to relate to. And I think that what I like about the, the scene's during and post the movie in this episode, is that they could just be set, set, setting up a kind of, like, lovely mentorship, friend, you know, kind of friendship. Like, like a sort of, like, older person and a younger person, like, who likes some of the same things and really get along, but one of them is just a little further along in their development or something, you know? And I think that would be a totally realistic and, uh, you know, valid way for that relationship to play out on this show. Um, but it's it is tricky territory. I just, like... I think that the reason that I recognized it or maybe Andrew recognized it when we were watching it uh, this morning was like, just like, oh, I was there once with so-and-so, you know, like, yeah, um, and um, it is kind of a crucible or an experience that a lot of queer kids go through um, that might. I mean, not to like poo-poo the straight listeners or or audiences of the show, but like that might just seem a little bit odd because, um, you know, they were a little bit less bereft of of peers, I guess, Mm -hmm. at that age.
0: Yeah, well I will I will say for the record, I had no issue with Call Me By Your Name, like the age difference there, until I was like told I was supposed to. There's been a ton of, you know, straight cinema where it's a young woman and an older man. Like I you know, uh Stealing Beauty I was I was reminded of Stealing Beauty with Liv Tyler, but I think her her like, romantic partner, and that one is pretty young. But, like, you know, if you want to look at, like, this is, you know, a, 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 as good as a Merchant Ivory film as we're going to get these days. And, like, Merchant Ivory is just filled with, uh, you know, young women and older men and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I don't...
1: Well, I'm watching, um, I'm watching uh, screeners of the new season of The Crown. Yeah. Charles was, like, 32 and she was 19. Yeah. So...
0: I know, I was listening, I was listening to a podcast, um, You're Wrong About. Uh, have you listened to that podcast? Katie Rich is actually the one who got me in, invested no. in it. But they're talking, they're doing like a couple Princess Diana episodes, and they mentioned something about like Charlie, meet, uh, Charles meeting Diana when she was five and he was like a teenager. <laughs> and you're like, what? It's like real, it's real like Prince Philip at the beginning of Sleeping Beauty looking at a literal baby sort of stuff, where you're just Whoosh. sort of like, yeah. um Anyway, not, so we're, I, we're I I like calling your name. Any of that, but it's I just, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like um I like this. I it could be that they're just setting up a mentor relationship. I think the minute he touches Fraser's necklace that to go. me is even more yeah. intimate than like an ass lap in a library for some reason. So, um yeah. that's where I am on that. Um and then let's talk about um what I there was something I wanted to hop to from that. And I don't remember what it was. Uh, Fre- oh. uh,
1: Harper State or
0: no, um, but let, yeah, let's talk about Harper State, um, which goes uh differently, and then once again, it sort of it reminds me of like when when um when Dan Levy was talking about Shit's Creek and how he invented he you know he came up with a show that's set in a small town. And he decided to skip the part where, like, there were homophobes in the town because he's like, guess what? We've seen that show. So that's just not what I wanted to do. Right. And so I think I, I think about that. Not that, you know, this is skipping that because Richard is definitely uh, representing that on this show. But like the idea of like my once again, my expectation last week was that the teen pool party was going to go horribly wrong. My expectation this week was that like. Harper in her attempts to create a mustache and shave her head and stuff like that was going to be like discovered and exposed. And it was going to be awful. And instead Julia, who's a cool chick who can hang was just like, I know you're, I mean, whatever. I mean, uh, maybe misgendered, uh, Harper in that moment, but like, was like, whatever's clever. I'm down for it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you yeah, know, that upset, Caitlyn, uh, Caitlin and I can understand why, but, um, that wasn't, that's not the story we've seen over and over again. And I appreciated that.
1: No, sense. it wasn't like the what, what the fuck? You're yeah. a, you know, like, yeah, and exactly. I think that that, I, like, you brace yourself for that because you've seen it so many goddamn times. Right. Um, But how des- disappointing for Harper, you know, to be like, am I getting what? I mean, I, am I like, am I like passing? Am I passing? Like, Is this, yeah, is this, yeah. is this happening? You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, that's true. and then it's not even just that, like, a discovery of, oh, you're, you know, um, but, like, it's like, oh, no, I knew the whole time, you know, right. and I think that that would have to be crushing, you know.
0: I guess, I mean, yes, if if Harper really is wanting to lean into a trans identity, which, you know, like, given, um, like, the desire to hold Fraser's, like, penis in a non-sexual way, but just in a, like, yeah. this is mine kind of way, um, I, I suppose points in that direction. Um, but there's like a whole lot of gray in between there and, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who have found that they enjoy existing in the gray area as well. Of course. You know what I yeah. mean? So, yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Um,
1: Yeah, and I I don't mean to imply that there's ever any sort of element of deception going on in that. It's not, it's nothing like, it's just, it's just like, from the context of the episode, it seemed like Harper was like, trying something, you know, and had gotten this note addressed to Harper. Um, And, you know, I was thinking about this, and I don't mean to be crass about it, but like, this episode there was a lot of halloween imagery everywhere and i was yeah. thinking about like costumes and like trying something else on and like becoming something else and like i never what would want to equate you know gender identity with any kind of costumery it's not no. that at all but like but you know a kind of outward expression um if even for one night or something you know i, I think that that wasn't an accident either
0: yeah, the flashing light skull in the you know in Richard's kitchen was like yeah ominous. Actually, I should probably call it Jenny's kitchen. Jenny's kitchen. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, Jenny's I'm, kitchen
1: with yeah. a lot of trash cans because she's um, conscientious <laughs> and Richard's horrible, disgusting bathroom. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I did want to mention uh this this is the thing that I wanted to bring up earlier that I forgot, which is that the movie that they're watching on their date. Uh, is, uh, their non-date date, date, um, is Ouija, Origin of Evil, right? Yeah. Which was directed by Mike Flanagan, who, uh, is the man behind The Haunting of Bly Manor. So it all comes full circle back to ghosts, you know? Well,
1: that movie, that movie poster scene was funny. because It was was I mean, I I love, like, snapshots of (laughs) a different era at, at the multiplex. Yeah, um, I mean that was recent I, enough that it's not like oh my god all those movies were at the, the theaters at the same time um, but I think there were little funny little bits within that moment uh, the kissing of Tom Hanks was great love it um, but then that return to that lingering over Hacksaw Ridge
0: I know <laughs> which
1: like has cute boys in it For I mean that's undeniable uh-huh. but also is this like incredibly annihilatingly violent war movie directed by Mel Gibson um, I, I, yeah, say go on.
0: Well, I just can't, like, I was, I've been thinking about that a lot this week because, um, you know, Mel Gibson's back in the news because he's got a trailer out or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to watch it, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I, I almost can't, like, I saw Hacksaw Ridge, we had to because it was an Oscar contender, yeah, but I, that whole Oscar season still feels like a fever dream to me because i was like how do we just let that happen how do yes. we just let mel gibson back in through the prestige and front like door? Not tons even the, of oscar nominees yeah not even yeah. the comedy back door of like you know daddy's home Two or whatever but the prestige front door of an it's andrew f- garfield war yeah. movie come on how did in that yeah yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um, um and, and i think like what it would mean to be young on a military base in 2016 yeah. and see that something made a far made far away filmed in Australia, but an American film um, that is just like reinforcing all the shit that you're dealing, like seeing day to day would be really strange, you know, especially because I mean, it's... it's about like something that happened 70 years prior.
0: Let's talk about, standing for the national anthem before your movie starts playing you don't do that i want to talk about like weird um i mean yeah. i put
1: my hand over my heart when it's like they're announcing the concession stand is open when they're like, like let's all
0: go to the yeah, lobby that's, and you're that's like my, yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh the other thing i want to mention uh very specifically that i thought was interesting is there's at least two scenes Maybe more, where Sarah takes someone else's drink. <laughs> Sarah takes Jonathan's, like starts starts drinking from Jonathan's Coke, mm-hmm. uh, and, in the commissary, and then also takes Maggie's beer. Yeah, and like that's you know that's that's a classic. That seems like a very classic Sarah thing to do. To be honest with you, um, but then I thought it was interesting that like Jonathan gave his drink to Fraser. Mm -hmm. um and i was like oh it's a nice little
1: well jonathan also like nodded him over at the theater so like he's they're not he's not trying to be clandestine about it you know and it's like how much risk is actually being incurred here i don't really know um so i thought that was interesting but i also thought you know speaking of sarah yeah when she calls richard over to apologize to the pizza store owner Mm -hmm. um and she's like, oh, I heard you bought a new truck. Is it, you know, 350 horsepower? He's like 320. And she's like, blah, 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 kind of wheels. And he's like, no. And it's like something lesser, you know. And in that scene, I kind of liked her power play. Yeah. But it, I don't like it in other places, which is like maybe something I need to invent. Like, I don't know. But like, um, it's just interesting. No, that they, I they, think... they include all the, the different facets of her, um, you know, sort of for, aggressive personality, I guess.
0: I mean, I don't know if you were saying that because, like, you're wondering if there's some, you know, undercurrent of misogyny in, in your rejection of some of her power plays. But, you know, as her, as our token woman on this podcast, I'll say that, like, Sarah's, is- uh, you know, just like Fraser, Sarah's shit sometimes is intolerable, like it's awful, and then sometimes you're like, yeah, who's yeah. The, who's a the bad boss bitch here, you know? So it's a uh, it's a but mixed bag with her. There's know?
1: also a race dynamic, you know. Yeah, that I don't know how much the show the show doesn't really feel like it's gotten into much of that. Um, maybe it will, but that's also you know de- definitely prevalent. Um, In terms of power structures and all that stuff.
0: Well, I think in in casting Richard, you know, in in making Richard the like, you know, MAGA conservative, um, that complicates everything. Once again, it's not interested in serving us up a type that we're familiar with. Right. Right. Sarah, similarly, is just not a type we're familiar with necessarily. Um, Should we talk about Sarah's like doing gun range practice with? harper and how we yeah. feel about
1: that yeah yeah i i love the um i don't know i it's a dynamic i can't really think about anything in specific maybe enough said uh, the julia louis dreyfus nicole hall of center movie mm-hmm. um where the, the the friend appreciates your parents so much more than you do you know and uh and harper says to fraser she's totally wasted on you you know yeah. um i just think it's like a very credible kind of thing i mean even now when i have like friends up to see my you know for like a long weekend with my folks or whatever and it's just all this gushing praise from my parents which is lovely to hear and i agree with like 75 percent of it but you know there's that other 25 percent. you're like you have no idea <laughs> you know and i just think that's like a very like relatable kind of friend to parent dynamic
0: yeah, it's um and similarly, I you know like like I, like I was just saying, I find some of Fraser's behavior intolerable. Like, I don't understand what he was saying to Maggie when he was like, "I can't decide if I hate you." And Maggie responded like perfectly to that, which was not to take him seriously, which right. is great. But um, but I will say, probably people watching did not respond well to him like typing c-u-n-t in all caps at his at sarah at a text message but i was like i can kind of relate to that like where are your boundaries to a parent yeah. you know what i mean and like can, i have asked you repeatedly to stay out of my life in this way you have so much can you not give me this and not and, just not
1: know. just that the, like that sarah and and uh and harper are spending time together but almost have a secret together right like that is like intimate you know yeah but with with the, with the other thing you mentioned, um, he was just saying, I- "I'll see you next Tuesday" because they had like a plan. I think that's. Oh, that's, that's okay, okay. Yeah, it's teen. <laughs> it's teen tech speech. Right?
0: I'm not talking to you for 11 days, so I'll we'll see you next Tuesday, right. which is 11 days from well, now. Well, in okay. Italy, the
1: weeks they're Are, mil- yeah, they're or 11 days. Yeah. 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, is there anything else um, we want to talk about? Did we talk know. enough I'm, about I, what happened with Richard and Jenny? I don't know if we want to talk about
1: it. I don't know how much I want to wade into it. I mean yeah. it was it was it was very bracing, you know, yeah. and I think that um um I will say that Faith Lobby is so terrific in that scene as hard as it must have been to perform. Yeah. Um and I just love her presence in this episode in general uh, as well as Alice Braga's um, you know, and I was thinking also about Scott Moskudy who like has this whole other career as a musician and like has been kind of a lovable cool guy on the scene for so long like to really commit to playing this character who has absolute human shading, but like is also kind of scary and yeah. aggressive. And like, I think that I would hope that both of those actors in that really, you know, kind of wretched scene uh, had the full sort of trust in their director and, and their environment to, to film that I would think so be to get where they did with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's an upsetting. It's upsetting on its own, and then in juxtaposition with what happens with with Maggie and Sarah, because you know, basically, both Maggie and Jenny are coming home from an, a, a sexual affair, uh, and both have a sexual encounter then with their spouse. Mm-hmm. And for Jenny, it's I'm assault. I would say, and you know, yeah. and then for uh, you know Maggie, there might be some reluctance there. Ultimately, that felt consensual to me. Uh, you know what I mean? So um, that to me makes me worried for Jenny in terms of like, you know, M- Maggie. I don't think is looking to like bail out of this marriage necessarily. And right, what does that mean for Jenny? I don't know.
1: So. It illustrates the stakes. And how they're yeah. different for each character yeah. Yeah, in a yeah, in a pretty yeah. I mean pretty brutal way, but um, you know, an efficient way too.
0: All right, I am going to check in now on the teen romance front. Right? Okay, so Danny is out in public with Valentina, who last week married Craig. Um, yes. so that's happening, whatever that is. And then, uh, speaking of Craig, Craig's uh, younger brother Sam, who was dating. Harper is now dating Brittany, and Brittany is claiming that she's in love with him and, and always has, has been. Yeah,
1: always has. Always has. And been. what does Harper say? Okay, sure. No, she uh, said sure. <laughs> yeah, sure,
0: <laughs> sure. Fine. <laughs> and then walks away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Brutal.
0: Um, I don't know. Once again, that felt like I I think I need to what I need to learn from these characters sometimes is like a non response response. Because that's sort of like what the, the what Maggie pulled when Fraser got in her face. Okay, fine. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. whatever. You but need.
1: I almost think with that Maggie thing. Yeah. And it's going to make me come down too hard on Sarah. I almost think it's partly because Maggie is not so much of a narcissist to think it means something. You know, it's not like the biggest deal in the world. I know that Sarah also kind of treats Fraser's outburst kind of casually. But I think the ability for her just to be like, OK, like just projected a bit more of a secu- of, of security.
0: Of yeah, self, you know? I think that's true. And confidence in their in their yeah. loving relationship. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we did it yeah Another we kind of hopped all done. over but
1: it was there was so much plot yeah. that it we couldn't just wax semi-poetic about <laughs> war i guess
0: um yeah i don't think we missed anything major but if we did you can email us still watching pod at com. once again check your feeds for haunting a blind manor special episode uh on tuesday this week and then we will be back next monday richard until then where can folks find you
1: Ugh, i wish at a movie theater you know just having some sort of cutie flirty moment i Um, know
0: do you think they like brushed knuckles during the scary parts
1: oh yeah probably i mean you know why else could Uh, a scary movie love Um, a knuckle brush okay yeah um but no barring that i guess i'll just be fucking online twitter (laughs) rylas (laughs) and writing for vf.com uh until we head back to autumnal italy joanna where will you be
0: Uh, well, I'd like to say that I'll be on the back of my brand new truck. um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your beer soaked truck?
0: Holding court to my, uh, my employees. Um, but, uh, actually I will just be, uh, online, uh, at Joe Roth is on Twitter and on vf.com and, uh, we will talk to you all next week. Ciao.